You are listening to the Zookeeper Stories Podcast with your host, Matthew Price. The goals of this show are to share the stories of animal care professionals around the world, give advice on how to get to the field, and share information that will help out new zookeepers. One of the most common questions people in our field are asked is, how did you get your job? I hope to shed some light on that question and many more by investigating the origin stories of the people on the front lines of the animal care world, the zookeepers. And welcome back to another episode of the Zookeeper Stories podcast. My goodness, it's been a long time. I looked at my podcast feed today and it said the last one was in June. So seven months, uh, it's been a while, but I'm going to make it up to you guys today with an incredible guest. Today we have Corbin Maxey on the show. He's a 28-year-old nationally recognized animal expert uh, and animal handler. He goes on television shows. He goes on the Today Show, The Late Late Night with Seb Meyers, Inside Edition, The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Uh, the Martha Stewart show, man, he is incredible. Um, and I have to say, Corbin, one of my early influences was definitely Steve Irwin. And I actually forgot to tell a story, I think, when I met Steve Irwin last year. But uh, this show is not about me. Let's talk about you, man. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. First of all, we have to break into that. How did you meet Steve Irwin? Uh, <laughs> Come on. Uh, right. All right. All right. All right. Uh, so at the San Francisco Zoo when I was an in- I can't remember if it was when I was an intern or when I uh, you know, it was maybe a couple of years in. I can't remember exactly when it happened, but he came to the zoo one time and did some kind of recording and I got to hand him a baby alligator and, uh, you know, chat with him for like three minutes. And it was, it was awesome. He's like, he was, you know, everything you ever saw on the TV show, like that's, that's who he is as a real person too. You know, he's just incredible. So, uh, definitely a, a sad, sad thing that we don't have him anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? It's so weird because I've worked one of my lead handlers on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. The last time I was on, his name was Jim. And uh, he worked with Steve every time he was on The Tonight Show. And Steve Irwin, he was very loyal to his show. So he only appeared on um, The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Mm-hmm. And Jim told me that he was exactly like how you would imagine him, you know, him on camera. So I thought that was so cool. So refreshing. Just so genuine. Like, like you know, you think it's a TV personality and it's not. It's just just who he is, man. He was just being himself. So yes, yes. Uh, so awesome. But anyway, uh, before we get into to your story, uh, let's uh, let's talk about what you do now. You know, I, I did mention that you were on TV and, and everything and you bring animals on and show them. But uh, let's talk about that. Like what, what exactly does your like regular day kind of look like? And it's so hard too. It's it's so hard because it's like people ask me that they're like so what do you do for a living? It's like well I'm a wildlife educator and they're like well what's that? So <laughs> like every day is different for me. So I take care of my own animals. So I started a reptile rescue when I was 12 years old, and so the majority of the animals that I rescued at 12 I still have. So that includes alligators, giant pythons, big tortoises, numerous smaller snakes, an emu, and a uh, turkey with a bad heart condition. He's like 65 pounds. <laughs> Um, so it's, 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 are these all, are these all living in your house? Do you have like a separate facility on like a property or something? Yes. Thank you for clarifying that. Cause you don't know how <laughs> many people come to me and they're like, are these all in your house? Like they look so yeah. disgusted. So the only animal that lives in my house is my five-year-old pit bull. Her name is Zoe. So I'm very fortunate. So my family owns five acres um, along the snake river outside of Marcin, Idaho, which is, I mean, you could blink and miss the town. I think the population was like 900. <laughs> so it is a tiny, tiny little town. But uh, the the really nice thing is we have property along the river. And so two and a half acres is set aside for the animals. So I have two main buildings. I have a larger building that houses 90% of the majority of, um, um, of the animals. And then we have a smaller building that houses our large tortoises. And they also have outdoor exhibits, yards, and ponds. 
so that's, that's insane. what that's so awesome man uh so do you take care of all of those or do you have someone that that helps you with that do you do you, do you hire someone to, to help you do that you know man i wish i could afford someone to do that but uh <laughs> no <laughs> you are looking at it and that's the crazy thing because you and i wow. talked on when when you were on my podcast animals to the max people don't realize like oh it's you know it's awesome working with animals but the majority of the time you're <laughs> you're sitting cleaning up poop and uh no so I, i'm the main person that cleans but i actually i really enjoy it i actually really enjoy it doing that just hanging out with the animals and cleaning it's kind of like my alone time and kind of takes me away from all the busy stuff of of the whole tv aspect because that's completely different from uh right so so does that so obviously you have to take care of your animals every day uh, but you know, what, like what percentage of your day are you working on TV stuff every day? Uh, you know, how often are you going on television? How often do you have to travel? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it, it really depends on the time of year. So last year, 2017 was a record number of today's show appearances, which I'm so incredibly blessed. Got to work with some incredible animals, work with some great zoos back East. And so, um, that was definitely busy. So my day is like every day is different, but I usually get up. I spend several hours on the computer, uh, uh, developing pitches, figuring out the next animals that I will be bringing on TV. I spend a lot of time on the phone. I, um, also work with this newfound love of podcasting, which actually takes up more time than I expected, but I actually yeah, like sure. it. <laughs> so uh, I do that. I also work with my appearance schedule. So a lot of people ask me, well, how do you make money? And so a lot of people assume when you're on the Today Show, they think that you are a multimillionaire. My, right. uh, my, my family from the Ozarks asked me like a couple of years ago at a family reunion. They were like, so when did you make your first million? And <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, uh, no, it's very far from that. So uh, how I make money is by basically appearing at events uh, just around the country. We'll do like educational events for kids as well as corporate stuff and, and um, all that type of good stuff. So that's how I make money. That's how I support the animals and uh, you know their care, vet care and stuff like that. Okay. So so is it, is, would you say, I, I mean, I don't want to get too personal involved in your finances or anything. Would you say it's uh, uh <laughs> would you like my 2017 tax return? <laughs> hey, uh, you know, if you were elected president, I would, I would, uh, get right? to, I guess. Link in bio. <laughs> uh, but no, is it like kind of like, do you have like, would you say you have kind of like a steady pay? Like, is it stressful? Like, do you like go like a month and like, you're like, okay, where am I going to get money to take care of the animals this week? You know, that kind of thing. Oh, nothing like that. Or, nothing like that. And thank goodness. But back in the day okay. when I was like 12 or 13, I would volunteer just, just, just to do shows. And I used to do reptile birthday parties. And I remember mm. one time, I think someone gave me like $25, Matt, for a party. And I thought I was like on top of the world. Like I was like, <laughs> oh my God, $25, like what? Like that anyway. So, uh, but yeah, so. I, I actually, you know, another thing I remember, was, I, I forgot to mention at the top, but yeah, if you want to hear more about my story, uh, I was on Corbin Maxey's podcast, Animal to the Max, a couple weeks ago. I don't remember the episode number, like seven or something, but you can check that out. Um, but uh, one of the things, another thing I forgot to tell on that, there were so many, we talked for so long and I can't remember, can't believe I forgot everything, but I actually also worked for a company in San Francisco called Tree Frog Treks, like an outdoor education company where I got to take, you know, like one of the jo was, jobs was taking animals to birthday parties, but my favorite thing to do was go to like, like uh, uh, urban like elementary schools and bring, we brought in like a Burmese python like 15 feet and had the entire like kindergarten class hold them around. Uh, so yeah, that stuff's a lot of fun, man. That stuff's underrated for sure. I love it. I love it. And to see, and especially now, I mean, I don't know about, you know, I'm sure around the country, but here in Idaho, there've been a lot of budget cuts. So we do mm -hmm. a lot of title one schools and to see these kids who literally they do not have 
the funds to even go to our local zoo. Like some of these kids have never even been to our local zoo. And so to bring the animals and to have them, I mean, just see, just their eyes pop and to see something they never would see normally. It's just incredible. Exactly. I, yeah. I, I, I love that. I love working with kids and I love working with animals. Yeah. Like they, I mean, it's just, it's crazy with the think that some, a kid has like never seen a snake in person or something like that, you know, and, right. and to be able to see like something that, that, that huge. Uh, another thing that my zoo does now, uh, and I wish I could be a part of it, but I'm not in that department is they get to take animals like children's hospitals and stuff. And that must just be oh, so much. Oh man. Fun. That's, that's just like, that's just, Oh my goodness. And yeah, but we actually did some, I mean, we've, we, we, we haven't done hospitals, but we've done children's homes. We've done, uh, you know, disabled camps. We did something where we did for a group of blind children and the teacher was blind too. So to see their faces just light up, it just was just, just incredible. Just to get to feel like a snake or an alligator or something. Or, yes. Or, or, yeah. That's, yes. that's awesome. Yeah. It was great. It was great. Uh, but anyway, I know we'll probably talk more about, uh, well, I guess before we move on, is there anything else about your career that like your current career that you might share that maybe someone, uh, uh, doesn't, wouldn't, wouldn't think that you do something like that or some kind of, uh, other, other thing that I haven't asked you about your current career. If not, then I'm sure we'll talk about it, you know, throughout the, the show. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm a jack of all trades. So I, I definitely, you know, do national TV appearances on the today show. I'm a regular on there as well as late night with Seth Myers, which is just awesome as well. Um, I also, you know, do live appearances as well as this podcast, blog, I started new webisodes. And so basically my goal is to have my own television show. So I have a great <laughs> team. No, I'm serious. Yeah. I have a great no, team. I, no, I believe you. That's awesome. Yeah. So I have a great team in New York um, and also agents that are helping me do that. And it's so funny because people will come up to me and they're like, well, why don't you have a show? And it's like, well, <laughs> it's a lot, it's a lot easier to say than actually execute. But uh, that is definitely something that uh, that's in the works and that I'm uh, very excited for the future. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. Check out everything Corbin does. In terms of your TV show appearances, are they, you know, how, how often are they? Like how can listeners find out where, uh, where and when you're going to be on? So, um, and I guess the easiest way to find out is to follow on my social media channels. So Facebook, mm -hmm. Instagram, Snapchat, uh, YouTube, Twitter, and stuff like that. But um, like, for instance, last year, every other month we're on the Today Show. And I usually give like ample enough time you know, just kind of building up to that appearances and all that type of good stuff. And the good news with technology is I'm able to post all the appearances. So you could go to my website, CorbinMaxi.com. You could check out in chronological order, um, all the appearances just, you know, they're really cool. And the animals are so cool. And it's, it's insane, Matt, to see these celebrities <laughs> like interact or do, do, anyway, it's just such a, such a fun experience. Uh, okay. Okay. So I promise we're going to get to, to the early part of your story, but you're just, the, 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 what you do now is so interesting and I just have so many questions. So, so talk about this then when you go to uh, LA or New York or wherever you film, do you have, do your, do your animals come with you? Are you talking to other zoo, local zoos to borrow animals? Like how do you get the animals to actually go on the show? That's such a good question because so many people watch the show. And I remember when I was a kid, I would watch Steve Irwin on the Tonight Show and he would come on with like an American beaver or something. I remember thinking, well, I don't, I don't think the Australia Zoo has a beaver. Like that's how big of a nerd I was. Like, how did Steve do that? And it's kind of an uncommon thing. So basically back in the day when I got my start on the Tonight Show, also on the Today Show and the Martha Stewart Show, I would bring my own animals on just because they are rescues. And that's something that the segments would highlight that, you know, we'd highlight the animal's story and they were my personal animals. What happened is I really had to expand just, you know, people love reptiles, but also a lot of people love cute and cuddly things and things that fly. So uh, I had to really expand my, you know, repertoire regarding animals. And so now I'm, I feel spoiled. Now I do like what Jack Hanna does, which is 
Well, actually, Jack Cannon's a lot more spoiled, but I, I fly in and then animals are provided for me. But that is a lot of work. It takes weeks. I'm the one on the phone. So I, I'll talk to local zoos. I'll talk to local rescue and rehabilitation centers, aquariums. I, I go through the whole permit process. It's actually a lot of stuff behind the scenes. I come up with all the talking points. And so basically, I, I do team up with these zoos. And a lot of people think, well, why would the zoos do that? I'm not affiliated. It's fantastic exposure. So yeah, segments are seen. I think we average around 3 million people. And just to have, let's say Al Roker or Tyra Banks say, blah, 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 zoo. It's like gold for them. And not to mention what a fun experience for a day to go to New York city and just go do the today show. Like you never know who you're going to run into. And it's just a really great time. And plus um, one more thing is that the zoos love to get the, the messages out there regarding conservation messages. And we're able to touch on those as well. Okay. So is it kind of like, uh, you lend me this animal and you're going to get 3 million views or do you have to like contract out and, and pay the zoo to, to uh, have the animals? So that's really interesting. So there are some companies that specifically have animals that they use for television. They'll use for motion pictures. And that is an instance, for instance, uh, when I do late night with Seth Meyers, we will go through certain handlers with the zoos though. I would prefer, I don't want to say I would prefer to work with them, but um, how do I say that? Like with the zoos, no, I am not paying the zoos. We do it for Got exposure. It. And it. honestly, I think it's like wanting to get the animals out there in front of people. Like just, and, yeah, and just talk about the conservation projects the zoos are doing. And that's kind of the really big seller. So uh, I, I, I'm getting really into the weeds now, I know. But, You're fine. Uh, no, do, do it. Do so, it. So like if so say i'm gonna go you're gonna go to whatever zoo and you're saying hey i want to borrow your animal to take them on the show do you have to like go and prove to them that you can handle the animal do you have to sign some kind of like waiver i assume yes. uh, or do they are they just like hey i saw you on tv here's a here's a kinkajou or whatever yeah so and mind you matt this is all very recent for me recent meaning the last two and a half three years because before yeah. i would have to bring my own animals or would i would have to contract those animals out so really what it is is i build a relationship with these zoos i'll send an, an introductory email I'll, I'll hop on the phone uh, a a huge thing is they'll take a look at my, my my television reel which if you haven't seen it you should check it out it's just like three minutes but it's like fast clips of like just showing the various appearances on the shows and it kind of gives you an idea of who I am, how I present the animals. And then we'll, then we'll go from there. But, you know, just regarding, you know, when we are on these shows, safety is the number one concern. We make sure, you know, all the permits are in place. I think one time I had to, uh, oh, it was crazy. I, I worked with a uh, Gila monster from Hershey park and, and mm -hmm. you know, what's so crazy. And so I, so I had all my animals figured out, right. And then I got an email like a, maybe a week prior that the head head executive producer at the today show, she went on a trip to Arizona and she saw a Gila monster in her backyard. So I get an email and when the Today Show asks you to do something or deliver something, you do it. So I get an email saying, can you do a Gila monster? And I'm like, sure. Like, so <laughs> I'm like running around with my head cut off, you know, just because it was so hard to find a, you know, a yeah. venomous lizard in the state of New York. Right. And so long story short, I was able to find one at a Hershey Park at Zoo America, a great team over there. But I had to sign a giant agreement saying that if this Gila monster bit me, I wouldn't sue, you know, Hershey Chocolate, which they could take me on. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I wouldn't stand a chance against that company. So yeah, but there's a lot of safety stuff that goes in place and a lot of planning 
just regarding animal transitions and I apologize. I'm like talking so much, but I just, um, just like regarding when, you know, when you have handlers walking out and passing animals off, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it, the choreography and a big thing. What my job is, is to make sure that the talent, including the anchors and a lot of the times the celebrities do not get hurt. Cause if you have an animal that, (laughs) you know, let alone scratches a supermodel or something with the celebrity, you're going to be just in a bunch of trouble. So, yeah, I was going to say, so uh, we, we do have a lot of listeners that, that uh, are into animals and interested in zookeeping and that kind of thing, but they're, you know, they don't know, you know, necessarily all of the about every species. So talk a little bit about the Gila monster and I guess like a worst case scenario, what could have happened if, uh, if, you know, if that wasn't all set up? You know, I don't think, I think the worst case, I don't think because just because I have complete control over the animal, I'm not passing yeah. it off to a talent. Sure. I'm not really nervous. Um, you know, reptiles are super easy for me. Usually, you know, sometimes you'll get mammals that bite. Mammals are a little bit more finicky. But if if you watch the show and like one of my, I, I say this all the time, it's probably annoying to people who follow me, but I always say like after each segment, animals literally take over the studio and it's true. Like we don't make the animals do anything they don't want to. Like they literally you'll have penguins walking on the floor, birds flying all over the cameras. Like we (laughs) poop. I mean, they just, we literally just let them kind of do their thing. And, um, and it's, there's, I mean, you could rehearse as much as you want, but there's no, I mean, they always say like, you never know what's going to happen when you work with kids or animals on TV. And by God, that, that is the truth. So, and with the Today Show, we don't even rehearse. So when you see that (laughs) it's live, I mean, it is, That's no so problem. awesome, man. Uh, that's really, that's so much fun. I, I I am so interested in that. And I could ask a million more questions, but let's do, let's get back to the early years because you know, that's, that's really important. And I'm sure shaped who you are today. So uh, I have on your information, uh, the first thing starts at the age of 12 when you founded the Cypress Hill Reptile Reserve. But I have a, I have a feeling that you were way into animals long before that. Way in. I mean, just as a kid, my parents say I have pictures of me, you know, holding snakes and diapers. I haven't seen them yet, but uh, we always, <laughs> yeah, whatever. It, it's a great story, mom and dad. Uh, but we always had animals growing up and I grew up in the middle of nowhere in Roby Creek, Idaho. So I grew up in the mountains, like in a cabin. We didn't have plumbing for like the first year. Like we had an outhouse. Like I lived in just you know, the craziest childhood and I was surrounded by animals. And so there weren't any, you know, childhood friends to play with or anything. So I was always out exploring the mountains and catching frogs and snakes and salamanders and just different types of insects. And that, that was my childhood. And that's really what stemmed, I think my, you know, really got my passion for animals going growing up there. So would you say your, your parents were were pretty instrumental in, in supporting that and, and developing that passion? Absolutely. I take my hat off to them. I mean, they were just, and we lived in an animal household and I just, yeah, Gosh, and I for parents listening, or I mean, because I get so many kids that will email me and be like, "Man, I wish my mom would let me have a bearded dragon lizard or a snake." I wish the parents, but I wish some of those parents would just open up because I think pets are so crucial when you grow up, just for development. Don't you think? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I honestly, this is this is probably very controversial, but I feel like before you have a kid, you should probably have a dog or something that you have to take care of. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think so, so too. So yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with that. Um, okay. So, so what were you doing? Like, were you doing anything before the age of 12 that, that like, you know, made you want to, to, to build this reptile reserve? You know, I, uh, so I, I was always obsessed with going with our, our, uh, 
to our little local zoo and they had a bird show. But when I'm talking like this bird show, I mean, it was so cheesy. Like the stage was a mound of dirt. I mean, I'm <laughs> like, it literally was just a mound of dirt. They had a couple decorative rocks. And I think like, I think the chairs were like little stumps, like wood stumps. Yeah. I remember I watched that show and I loved it. Just like this presenter, you know, it just showing us birds and stuff. And so I remember like my dad, when I was at the cabin, made me like a like a, like a fake stage, like with like two straw bales or something and put over like a piece of plywood. And so I would catch insects and I remember lizards and give these fake presentations. I was <laughs> like, I mean, that's like not, I don't know. Like I always, it felt like it was innate. Like I've always loved sharing, like sharing, sharing, sharing animals with people, I guess. Right. <laughs> yeah. I've always loved talking as you can probably tell if you're listening, uh, <laughs> but I always did that, but I never thought, you know, like that I would pursue a career in television. It's kind of a far fetched dream growing up in Roby Creek. It never really crossed my mind. And so, um, but then, yeah, when I rescued my first snake at the age of 12, he was, he's a ball Python named Reggie, which I still have to this day, which he was old when I got him. So this snake has to be, I mean, he is, he's such a geriatric, but he's doing great. And so, uh, but yeah, so that snake started it all. And then from there I would call like YMCA's and I would beg them to be like, Hey, can I get my presentation with one of my snakes? And then it kind of grew from there. And then at uh, 13 years old, the word got out. When the word gets out that you will take in these exotic animals people don't want that are too aggressive or, you know, they outgrow their, basically their cages, you'll get a lot of calls. So like at 13, I had <laughs> 60 different animals in my parents' bonus room. Oh my goodness. Wow. I was going to say, uh, I mean, what was, is that kind of what inspired you to, to create the reserve was, was people that were buying these pets that, that, that they knew they eventually couldn't take care of? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I, and I love being around, you know, animals all the time. And the fact to keep these exotic animals and work with them every day and to teach people about them, I thought, this is great. This is awesome. Maybe, I guess maybe I was going to say maybe not with the reptiles, I guess, but I bet that was a pretty a good way to meet girls when you were little, huh? Hey, come check not out my animal collection. <laughs> <laughs> I had one girl, we had a couple of girls over one time and she went to the bathroom and apparently I forgot that I was soaking my albino Burmese python in the tub and it had crawled up on the shower curtain rod and she like, the snake came down, like she'll still tell me about this story, this horrifying story, the snake coming down. But um, no, if you saw pictures of me, I wasn't getting any, um, I wasn't getting any attention. I was like five foot, you know, I was like almost 200 pounds. My outfit was this giant, like, now it looks like a blanket, this giant safari shirt. And I had a safari hat on and yeah, <laughs> good times. Good times. Oh, that's fun. Okay. So, so you've got this, you've got this rescue at 12, like, and, and it, it, at this point, you know, from you doing your, your presentations to, to whoever, um, I mean, you knew, you kind of knew that you wanted to share animals with people. So, so the next thing you did was, was, was start your own reptile show, reptile rampage. So talk about that a little bit and how that came to be. Correct. So I, I tried to volunteer at my local zoo and I, and this is when I had all the animals and I don't think I've ever actually shared this publicly, but this is, I, this, hopefully this might be, this might be uh, inspirational. And uh, anyway, I got denied from the zoo volunteer program. They denied me. And I, for whatever reason, I don't know. I, I don't know if I didn't qualify for them or what, but basically I got denied, but I was still obsessed with the zoo. So I would go down there and I ended up making friends with the zookeeper, which led to making friends with the head, with well, actually the only veterinarian. 
And basically the veterinarian and I kind of buddied up and we decided to do this reptile show. And I know this sounds so made up. And in this day and age, I don't even know if they can do that. I'm serious. Like, I don't even know if that's possible, but we gave, um, we gave one presentation and I think our first presentation, it was just about, you know, reptile rescue. You know, we were just using our rescue reptiles. It's like a 20 minute presentation, but the first day, I think we were hoping like maybe we would get 15 or 20 people over 300 people showed up at wow. 300 people and the director saw and they were like okay wait this is like maybe you know then they called the local paper and then we then we were allowed to use some of the funds to go buy a fancy microphone and then you know we were able to move to a bigger area at the zoo so it was really uh it was really chance but uh i've i've always been a very determined person like perseverance just and i think that's what you know that's what got me to where i am especially on tv because it is just i've heard so, a thousand no's so, so I mean, did that volunteer coordinator ever call you back and be like oh i'm so sorry i didn't accept you as a volunteer <laughs> no no but it was so funny because one of the keepers and the zoo vet i can't even believe this like happened it's so weird going back but i was above i mean i i don't want to say above the other volunteers but i was able to do more than the other volunteers so the other volunteers were like holding i don't know skeletons or you know little furs and showing you know showing the visitors while i was inside doing diets uh going inside cleaning the penguin pool i was working alongside in the vet hospital at 14 which was right next wow. to the tigers That's i mean awesome. I, it was insane and so um just an incredible experience so just my messages if you get denied uh just continue to go and just meet as many people as you can because you never know what door what you know that's gonna open basically yeah, for sure. And that's been for anyone who's listened to this podcast, they know that's a running theme is, you know, stay determined and, and keep going if you want it. So that's awesome, man. Uh, and it's really kind of fun to hear that a, a veterinarian is the one that was like, hey, let's do a show because all of the vets that I've worked with are like business, you know, like very yeah. business oriented and we've got to do whatever procedure on what. So that's awesome. That they took an interest right? in you. And she was great. And I think what really helped is she was really big in, into reptiles. And she also was part, I, this is kind of a side story, but she was part of the Idaho Herpetological Society. So a reptile and amphibian group for people, hobbyists or people who are interested in reptiles. And that was hosted at the zoo like every third Sunday. So it kind of helped that she was into reptiles and the rescue aspect. And, but yeah, I, I, I take my hat off to her and I can't imagine like that happening again, like a veterinarian doing that. Like, I think it was just, and that was back in 2004. So that was, you know, several, you know, 14, what, 14 yeah. years ago. Yeah. So, so, I, so since you're the, you're, you're, the, you're, you're whatever the quote unquote reptile guy, right? So no, you actually, no, 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 I'm go sorry. Ahead. Not, no, yeah, no, go. not anymore. So we've expanded to more like animal expert just so we didn't, you know what I mean? Just group me into one category. So, but yes, right, I right. Was so we were the reptile guy. Sorry, is what I meant to say. So how did not being a zookeeper necessarily, um, you know, volunteering at a zoo, is that the primary way you got experience working with and handling other animals when you were a volunteer at that zoo or, or, you know, how, how did you get like man and bird handling experience, that kind of stuff? So I, and, and by the way, I never was a technical volunteer there. So it's like, oh, okay. to, yeah, I mean, they never accepted me. And <laughs> I cannot believe that you had a show for the zoo, but they wouldn't let you volunteer there. huh? No, but it was funny because they would just see me doing the stuff and there was nothing she could do because the veterinarian is like up next to the director regarding right. you now. So it was just, yeah, it was funny. And anyway, so, uh, yeah, funny how things work out. But uh, so I was gonna say, so yeah, I worked with a variety of different animals at the zoo. I also volunteered at some local, um, we had a local um, 
like, you know, exotic animal rescue here as well. And so I, I got a lot of, uh, just a lot of experience doing that and, uh, you know, just volunteer and then meeting people. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So yeah, awesome, that man. Okay. So you, you did the show at the zoo and then you actually got a, a, a real TV show. Uh, like that was actually on TV. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so talk, talk about that, man. Cause that's, that must've been a really exciting day when they were like, yes, let's do, let's do a, do a TV show. Dude, it was the, I love it. It was like the happiest days of my life. I it bet. was, I was, I was in college. This was a public access station. So I was the, I was the director, the producer, the host, the everything. <laughs> and I, they literally gave me, and so, and I, I didn't have to pay anything because it was, it was a group of college kids that would film on a Friday night. And so, and it was so much fun. It was this live show with animals. It was 30 minutes and they literally just turn the cameras on and the studio is so tiny. It's like this, it was like maybe the size of my kitchen. This is a tiny studio. And I, they just turned the cameras on and I, it was, I, I, I felt like at home. And so I would book my own guests. I would interview the guests. They would bring on animals and you really have to, and Matt, I don't know if you've checked it out, but they're one of the students put together, it's called a documentary on Corbin Maxi. It's not really a documentary on me, but it's the documentary of live with the reptile guy mm -hmm. and that show. And it is just, it was so crazy what we brought in. In this studio, we brought in like a live camel. We brought in cows. I tried to bring in a, in a uh, horse, but the, you know, the, the, the uh, <laughs> station owner was like, we can't have anyone trampled, but, uh, <laughs> Venomous snakes, dude, like this was insane. Like venomous snakes, like I'm 18 years old. And I, and I also, this is so cool. I uh, would beg my friends and family in the beginning to come and be a part of the studio audience. So I would have this studio audience in this tiny studio. And so you could just, it was so cool. I, I did such a fun time doing that show. I loved it. So, so, so you actually had a live studio audience then did you, did you sell tickets for it? Or was it just like friends and family? Like, <laughs> like how, how did, how did this go? Was it like a, like the exclusive thing in town to get invited to the live with the reptile guy? Dude, show? It was so cool. <laughs> and it's in a really ghetto part of town in Boise. So it's like right next to just not a very good area. And I remember they like put up, but like on the marquee, they put like live with the reptile guy. <laughs> <laughs> This is so, I mean, this is so funny. So yes, yeah, so I, I would have these tickets and you would just go online and just submit a form, but I would, I would never charge anybody, but you get kids and their parents or, you know, cheap parents who didn't want to pay for anything or any entertainment. So, Hey, let's go see the show. And so it was so much fun and they would air it cause it was on public access. So you never knew when they would air the show. I mean, they had a specific time, but I would get texts from my college buddies at like three in the morning. They're like, Hey, your show's on like, <laughs> so just imagine like what? And they still air it to this day, which is, I was going to say, is it syndicated now? Are you getting, we're still getting residuals from that? I don't <laughs> residuals. <laughs> I just can't even believe they did it. And it was so, can I, you might not be able to air this, but like the public access show. So the, the, the night before me, there was a show called psychic Sheila and Sheila and I are such friends. Like this is such a funny show. So like she did readings on the animals and stuff. And anyway, told me my tarantula needed a mate. She needed love anyway. So <laughs> I walk in one day, Matt, and I walk in and the, the college kids and the crew were like taking down this pole at the top of the studio. I said, what in the world? And they're like, yeah, psychic Sheila had a stripper on last night. So, <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so like they were taking down the stripper pole and then, then I had my set, which like, you know, was a rainforest background. Anyway, right. it's just such a fun show. I love it. Check it out. I will send you the link. It's, it's called Corbin Maxi documentary, but 
it's more or less clips, like hilarious clips of live with the reptile guy. And you could just see the animals we brought in there. And it was just such a fun Yeah, time. I'll put that uh, I'll put that in the show notes so people will be able to just click on the link and, and go check that out. So that's yeah. awesome, man. So so public access, uh, is it, so did you have to go to the, the station and like pitch the show? Like how did, what was like the beginning process for that? How did you, how did they accept you to do this, you know? Well, so I started the show in 2007. That's when I was a freshman at Boise State University. And of course my dream, you know, I'd, I'd been on the Tonight Show. I had not been on the Today Show then, but my dream was, oh, I'm going to get a show right outside of high school. And then I'm okay. going to just do what Jack Hanna does. And my life's going to be great. And this is how it's going to be. And that's, that's not how life works out, you guys. Like, and so it was at a time when I thought, you know what? Okay, maybe I don't have a national show now, but why don't I do this? Like, why don't I put together a show? Let me, you know, let's do this. Like, I, this is what I want to do. And so I pitched the station and they, you know, they're like, okay. And because I was a nonprofit, I didn't have to, I think I got like a discounted producer fee. And it, it turned out like, cause at first it was hard to get the college kids engaged because it's a Friday night. I mean, half of them are not even there, you know, like, right. hey, yeah. and, like, you know, just like yeah. these yeah. people are used to doing public access shows where you have people, you know, knitting or, you know, there was a guy that would go on there and just read the Bible. And so my <laughs> show was, no, I'm serious. I'm I, Danny. I believe you, man. Danny. Yeah. Um, yeah. But my show was definitely different. I brought in the studio audience and the animals and the kids got the, I'm not the kids, they were like my age, but the college people got into it and the station loved it. Like, I, it, I think it really brought a lot of excitement for the station, some new blood, you know, like creative blood trying to, you know, to. Man, that's awesome. That is, that's so much fun. So, so is that kind of how you got noticed for the next step in your career? Did, 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 did you have to go and, and, and pitch the show to somebody else or did you just kind of get noticed from it? Um, so no, so that was kind of my live with the reptile guy show. I did it for four seasons. So that was kind of through my college career. Every Friday I would do a show and I, you know, did okay. Different seasons. So in 2011, Wait, we did a lot of different things on on Friday nights in college. I'll just say see? that. See, I was. <laughs> I think we taped at nine o'clock at night, Matt. Oh man, like, it was, that's like the start of all the parties, man. Yeah. See, I wasn't there. I was busy. Yeah, kids, if you're listening to this, stay in school. No, yeah. uh, but uh, yeah, I was anyway. Well, I'm sure half those kids were partying too behind the scenes. <laughs> like yeah. I know yeah. they were. Like I, yeah. I'm happy they didn't drug test the uh, camera people at TV. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Anyway, uh, um, but uh, yeah, so I got noticed. So I've I've had a manager recognize me after the Martha Stewart show in 2008. Okay, and so that that the Martha Stewart show was before this show. Correct. Okay. Um, no, 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 no. So 2007, and then in January of 2008, I was on the Martha Stewart show. So okay. my first season of Live with the Reptile Guy, first season, and then um, yes, and, I got, and then that, I got, so Martha Stewart was your first like na I guess national TV appearance. No, so so I was I was continuing to still do the Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Yep, and so I did that when I was young, fourteen, right, right, uh, right, right, seventeen, and then eighteen. But it was very hard. What people don't realize, it was very hard to break away from that stigma of just being on the Tonight Show with Jay Leno. It took years, and it's very hard because shows are very uh, they like loyal guests and they want their own kind of experts. So it was hard to break away. A lot of people said, "Well, why could you have not done Conan, or why did you not go to Good Morning America or the Today Show?" It was very difficult but finally got to uh, kind of do the martha stewart show which was syndicated and that was in 2008 and that's where i met my manager okay so i know i'm kind of jumping around again but i want to go sure. back to so you were on the jay leno show first when you were 14 
14 how, years old. How, how, how did that happen? Did you be like, hey, Jay, I, I like animals and I like to tell you about them? Or, or how did that go, man? Dude, this is the craziest story. So I, like I said, I never even thought I would do television. I just yeah. had a little reptile rescue. And my mom saw on their website, they were looking for teenagers with weird or unusual talents. <laughs> and my mom wrote in for me. I was at school and she, and she's so witty. She just wrote this one line to the, to the, whatever, the random submission process and said, hi, my name is Corbin Maxey. I am 14 years old. I have a reptile rescue. Call me the next crocodile hunter, dot, 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 or just call me. Oh, that's and, awesome. And it and worked. A week later, I get a call and I thought it was a prank. And it just, <laughs> I was like, what? I mean, you, and it was, and it happened so fast. And, you know, the really cool thing is that producer's name, Steve Ridgeway. He is now like the VP over at NBC, but him and I still keep in wow. contact to this day. Cool. So he is the one that technically discovered me and he gave me the green light to go on the tonight show. But, you know, mind you, it, it wasn't that easy. Like I had to send an audition tape. Sure. You know, several calls. And so what happened is they said, well, you know, we were, we're not going to put you with other teenagers for the segment. We're going to give you your own segment, like a second guest. And so, you know, they'd have a celebrity and then me. And I was, it was like a dream come true. This is when I was cool at school for one day. I was on with Pamela <laughs> Anderson. Pamela oh, Anderson. Man. Oh yeah. In the Baywatch days. Yes. Baywatch. Hey, Pamela. Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I was on with her. So that was just, it was just, yes. Yeah, so, so, I mean, you seem very comfortable in your own skin, but at 14, when you're on a TV show like that and with a celebrity right next to you, especially, you know, someone of, of that stature, you know, were you nervous at all then? Or, or were you just like, I'm, I'm so, good, man. Just put me in so, front of the camera. Yeah. So really quick, um, just to let you know, so I was not, so I was on with Pamela Anderson. She refused to go out with me. Um, <laughs> right? <laughs> big timing you, man. Big timing you. Yeah. Well, the, so here, here's the deal. She is a big advocate for PETA people. Oh yeah. Have, yeah. She's with PETA and they do not believe in using animals for entertainment. The issue is I wish there's some gray lines there because yes, that show, you know, is for entertainment, but the animals I was bringing on, they were all the rescued. You had animals that were on the verge of dying or animals they found loose on the streets. And I think those conservation, or excuse me, those messages, I think are really important for viewers. And so yes, we're having a great time, but you're also educating millions of viewers. And so I wish I could kind of see in between that, but she refused to go out with me, but she still was nice and met her backstage. But <laughs> I was terrified. I it was the most, it is the most terrifying. And every time I went on the tonight show, it was just like your heart, you could hear the band, you could hear the audience. I'm getting like chills thinking about it. You're just yeah. like, doo, 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 just, but I remember, and I'd never done TV before ever. And I did like one little NBC station or not little, but um, our little local NBC station here for my first TV appearance, just to promote the Leno stuff. But I remember like I went out and I was nervous, but then it, for some reason it felt so comfortable. I remember like I was talking to Jay and I said something. I remember I saw like this at the corner of my eye, like one member of the audience just laughing hysterically. And I was thinking, okay, like if he's laughing, like things must be going good. And I just, it just went from there. And and yeah. you can actually watch that. You can go on YouTube and watch my first tonight show appearance at 14. I will, I will do that. That's, that's awesome, man. Uh, yeah. It must've been really cool being able to meet that some, at some, at, at that young even, you know? So yeah. Wow. Um, and it, it was great. And this is like, mind you, I thought this was like a one-time shot, like one-time thing, great experience. But when Jay, yeah, Jay asked me to come back on and I'm like, wait, what? Like I could, and I that's was, so cool. 
Dude, I was like, after I was looking out in the audience and I thought, okay, this is what I want to do. If I could do this for a living, like, come on. I mean, that. Well, would just- yeah. And, and, and I mean, and I mean, how, how much of a confidence boost must that have been for, you know, a kid self-described as, you know, not so popular. So that must have yep. just been huge for, for your, you know, uh, confidence going forward. Oh, it was great. And I lived in a small town. So I was on the yeah. front page of you the were- paper. Yeah, I was going to say, you were a local celebrity for sure. I yeah, like it, yeah. was so, it was so weird, uh, but it was, yeah, anyway. So it was definitely a very unique experience, unique childhood. Okay, so so what's next after that then? Uh, you had you had those appearances. You had the, the Live with the Reptile guy. What, what happened next? Um, so graduated college, Boise State University, and with a biology degree. So that was mm-hmm. super important. And for people listening or wanting to pursue a career with animals regarding zookeeping, or even if you want to work with animals on TV or be a researcher, go to school. Like it's so, so important. I'm going to interrupt you again. I've been doing that a lot, but so did you, so you, you, you had this TV stuff, but did you, did you ever think about not going to school just to go pursue the TV stuff full time at that young of an age? Yes. Hands down. When you are on, I graduated high school that summer I was on like a few, a couple weeks after I graduated high school, I was on with Samuel L. Jackson on the tonight show. Like you can imagine. And when you're a senior or I, when you just graduate high school, you think yeah. you're on top of the world. Oh, yeah. like, oh, like you're like so cool. And then you have that experience. I remember I barely Samuel L. Jackson looked at me and said, Hey kid, you better go to college. Like, and that's not how he sounds, but anyway, <laughs> but, uh, yes, it was hard, but I remember, uh, my parents said, listen, like, if you want to live under our house, you know, these are our rules either, you know, move out or you're going to school. And I'm so happy I did. And I, you know, pursued school and a biology degree. And that was the best decision of my life. Cause it was hard to think like, Oh, I'm doing what I, you know, what I already want to do. Why do I have to get a degree? But I think it's so important to get that education because looking back on it, like how can I be going on these shows or I'm, you know, talking to colleges and you oh, know, yeah. college audiences, how can I be like, Oh, you know, I'm this expert, this and that. And they're like, okay, well, what is your formal education? It's like, Oh, I don't have one. Like, I think right. it's very important to have that education. And I got to meet so many people and I got to travel the world just going through that school. So please, yeah, go to college. Yeah. And even, you know, I think there's a very strong argument to be made along. Obviously the credentials is very important, but I just think that people do a lot of growing up in college. I mean, you learn to be responsible for yourself. It's like all of a sudden I have to figure out what I'm going to eat for dinner. You know, where's my, my fun money coming from? How am I going to juggle grades and social life and all this stuff? So I, I honestly think that maybe even is, is, is more important than, than even like the book smart and uh, getting the credentials and stuff. So, so yeah, definitely, definitely go to school. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Uh, no, after, I, I feel like I'm just not shutting up. I'm sorry. I'm like sitting here. Like, this show is about you, man. This is about you. Please talk. It's, it's uh, the opposite after side. the after the reptile guy what what was next in in the line of of, of your career um, so i uh, like i said graduated boise state university yeah. i was able to go to africa a few times fell in love with africa like I, literally, I still have not been to africa it's on the list it's been on the list for like a decade someday it's gonna happen but i literally and i'm being serious i thought you know what I'm going to drop everything. I'm going to move here. I mean, I thought, uh, I literally thought to myself, forget about the TV career. I could just see myself being a guide here. I felt, yeah. dude, I felt so at home. Like I just, in the Maasai Mara, which is the uh, Northern Serengeti ecosystem, it has like the highest concentration of 
of predators and prey. So I was like looking out and we had just stumbled upon hyenas, which I'm obsessed with hyenas and I'm obsessed with hippo. So oddly I was very fascinated with hyenas eating a dead hippo, but, um, I'm like watching these hyenas gnaw on this hippo carcass. There's a lion, there's a lion, a young male lion behind me off in the distance. There's an elephant in front of us in the river. And then like to the far right, there's like, there's a giraffe and impala. And I just, I was like, oh my God, this is like what I want to do. <laughs> it was amazing. So, um, but I was able to go down there the first time after I graduated through Boise State University, we went down there to assist in a uh, raptor program east african raptor program uh just regarding vultures because their numbers are down by like 60 percent, even 70 percent due to the poisoning human animal conflict and people poisoning them so that's how i was able to go to africa for the first time that's awesome man uh so did you do like like did you were you there just for like a little while did you stay like for an extended period of time did you live there for a while I wish I did. No. So I was there with my college class, the group okay. of students. I think there was like 10 of us. And so I was there maybe for eight or nine days in the Maasai Mara. We also did like Lake Navasha. And I just, you know, I, I became friends with the person leading that. His name is Dr. Munir Varani. And he works for the Peregrine Fund, which is one of the greatest, most successful conservation programs in the, I think in the world, like the success rate, they're the ones that brought back the, the Peregrine, you know, obviously the Peregrine Falcon, they assist with the California condor. So anyway, he's their Africa programs director. So I uh, basically became good friends with him. And dude, I was determined. I said, you know what, I'm coming back to Africa this year, I'm going to do it. So I worked my tail off like I did ever. I mean, I worked so hard. And I saved up for uh, several months. And I went back that summer for the great migration by myself. And I filmed um, a little documentary series called This is Africa uh, with uh, Munir. And it was so cool. Dude, that is that's incredible. Yeah, I I want to go there so bad. I actually, when I worked at the Woodland Park Zoo, uh, we had an exchange program with uh, with the Maasai uh, Mara warriors that where they would come over and do like an educational program about you know their culture and what they did in Africa. And I, I made a really good friend that uh, I was going to go over and visit him. And then unfortunately, the summer right before I left to come to to San Diego, uh, he got killed in a car accident in Nairobi. Oh my so. God. Just, I, I've oh, heard the traffic in Nairobi is insane. So, I mean, I'm not necessarily surprised, but yeah, really sad. So, oh, that's horrific. Yeah. And the traffic's awful. Oh my God. It's so, wow. Yeah, no, it's huge, huge bummer. But yeah, it was such a cool program to have, be able to have a different one come over every, every single, I was only there for uh, two, two and a half years or so. Uh, but you know, they, they had a program where they would send a different guy over every year and, and, uh, you know, teach, 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 teach Americans about, about what they do over there. So that's so uh, that's cool. Awesome. Matt. You definitely need to go. And it's not impossible. When I was younger, I thought, well, that's a, that's an impossible far-fetched dream of going to Africa, but it's so much more realistic than what people think. And once yeah. you go there, I mean, it's not that, ex I mean, once you go there, it's not that expensive. I mean, right. Not it's just the, the getting there kind of process. Yeah, no, I, I do. It's just, you know, I'm I, full disclosure. I'm turning 40 this year, so <laughs> I'm getting old. Uh, so, you know, as you get older, you have more financial responsibilities, you get married. We just bought a house and that kind of stuff. So I, I it's definitely on the list. And, and my wife says that she's going to be able to send me one day. So, uh, so we're definitely going to do it. Um, but anyway, let's go back to you. So after after all that Africa stuff, I mean, did you get, when did you get back to the to the TV appearances and 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 and, and did you ever have like you said you you kind of wanted to stay there and be a guide or something, but mm -hmm. did you have some kind of like uh, I don't know internal struggle with with which direction you wanted to go because you had success, you know, being you could certainly have success being a guide in Africa given your experience. Um, but what like kind of drew you back to to TV? 
So in so in between going to Africa, I was on the Today Show, but not that often. So they mm-hmm. would have their main guest, and I would be the person they would call. Let's say if one of the guests couldn't come in, like hey, you know, sometimes okay. they call me a, a, a week before. So I was on every now and then, but I, it was not like I was not a regular fixture on the show. It was definitely hard to get on. But um, there was one turning point. I had just gotten back from Africa and it was one of those times I got a call from my producer. And by the way, my producer, Andrew, he is such a phenomenal guy. So he's been doing, he's been producing animal segments for the Today Show for over 30 years. So he worked with Jim Fowler from Mutual of Omaha's Wild mm-hmm. Kingdom. Yes. He, he's the one that booked Steve Irwin. So Steve Irwin would, would do the Today Show. Um, Bendy, I mean, Jeff Corwin. So this guy is like, anyway, he's just, he's been producing these segments for years. So it's, it was a really big compliment that he actually, you know, asked me to come on the show. But there was one point right after I got back from Africa, he called and said, listen, we need you for the nine o'clock hour. Are you interested? It's in a week. And before then I was only doing Kathy Lee and Hoda, which is still great exposure, so much fun, but I had never yeah. been in one of the main hours, like, you know, on the nine with what, you know, and, uh, I went back there. We drove. I actually stayed for a week. I lived with a prehensile tailed porcupine named Mr. Magoo. <laughs> <laughs> I freaking love coindus, man. Their noses are just. Don't you just want to like just grab them and, and just squish Dude. them and take them? Oh, they're so incredible. Yes. And, they, and we would let Mr. Magoo out at night because, you know, they're nocturnal. So he would jump on our beds. And I actually went with my dad. He was my, you know, travel companion. But he would jump on our beds. The only thing is I feel so bad for the hotel staff because they have the worst smell. Like they, it's, it's, you know, it smells like <laughs> yeah, yeah, onion yeah, yeah. locker room, you know, yeah, people. But yeah, Mr. Magoo was great. So anyway, went on with Mr. Magoo and I brought a couple of my other animals, a monitor lizard, a big reticulated python that I rescued. And I, that appearance was just for some reason, it was just magic for me. Just with the anchors, the first time working with Al Roker, uh, Natalie Morales. I worked with, I also worked with a rehabilitation center. They had a, a rehabilitated great horned owl. And that's when I first kind of reached out working with other entities, I guess. And uh, it was just I don't know something happened and they called me after and the producer said, Hey, you know, you just, I guess the big wigs were really impressed and said, you're going to start being on the show a lot more. And I'll, that was like, I'll never forget that moment. I was like, that, oh that's God. awesome, man. So I was going to ask you, you know, would you consider that, that your big break, but it seems pretty clear that that was, it was on yeah. the today show. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it, it was, it was. And that's a very, like, it's so, it's a very competitive field. There's only a handful of people that are able to that do that program or, you know, work with animals on TV. So it's just, I'm so blessed and I don't take anything for granted. It's still so surreal for me just to do the show. So surreal. Yeah. I mean, there's Jeff Corwin, there's Steve Irwin, there's Jack Hanna and there's Corbin Maxey now, man. That's, <laughs> that's, that's so, I mean, to be able, I mean, I, I know you're a humble guy, so not necessarily to be mentioned in the same breath as them, but you know, like that, that's, that's where you're headed. So I mean, that, that's just, that's just so awesome. And uh, can, I when, brag? can I brag? Please, no, please, please. Mind? Okay. So I was actually, and I don't know if if you wanted to get into this, but I was a spokesman, which this was a dream come true too, for SAFE. So Saving Animals from Extinction. For the AZA. Yep. So I I was a spokesman, but, um, you know, when I was promoting that conservation, you know, that that conservation initiative, which is insane. I mean, I think that year, so I was their spokesman for 2016 and they donated $180 million, I believe. It was either 160 or 180 for conservation. It just was just such a great program, but I was able to work with Jack Hanna's team. So oh, from the Columbus zoo. So I got, so, and I actually recognized them. Cause I, you know, obviously 
big Jack Hanna fan. I'd watch his Letterman appearances. So I noticed his handlers because he's very particular about his handlers. And I got to work with his handlers. I got to work with his animals. And it was like, and it was on my birthday and I was on with Kathy Lee and Regis. Like it was just like the most insane. I don't know. It was like all the work and just all the years of doing local TV and just all that work really paid off. That was just such a, such an amazing experience. Yeah. I, I can't even imagine that is, that is, I, I, I don't even, I have no words really, man. That's just so, so incredible. So much fun. Uh, so you, since the today show, you've moved on to do a few other things, right? Yes. Yes. So late night with Seth Myers, which was just, that I was, love that show. Like I don't watch a whole lot of light, late night TV, but that's one that I will like, uh, I will find, uh, cause I, I'm obviously not that up that late staying, uh, getting up at four 30 in the morning. Uh, but mm. that's one I will seek out on like Hulu or whatever to watch. Cause I like it. Yeah, he's, it was, it's such a fantastic show. And, you know, late night is very hard to break into, like I said earlier. So, you know, I had done the Tonight Show, but a lot of, uh, you know, sometimes it's really hard to get on other different programs. It's fun. I like the noise. Sorry. <laughs> You're fine. Uh, sorry. This is going to be difficult to edit out, guys. So I apologize. We have a new dog and she is still like every, every new sound she is barking at right now. So it's probably my loud voice. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, no, anyway, so I was able to get on late night with Seth Myers and what was very, very just, and you know, I tried to get on that show numerous times, but Seth Myers, he's very involved with his show. He only works with a select group of his writers. It's a very small group and he's very particular about his guests. So he's not one to just have on celebrities all the time. He'll have politicians, obviously, He'll also, um, you know, have on just authors. And so he's very involved in the booking process. And so when he selected me to come on, like he, it was a major, that was a huge thing. And I was able to go on with, with, uh, you know, with Seth. And then I was on, he invited me back on again. And he said that I was his favorite animal expert, which I did not stand to do that. And the, the <laughs> producer said like, they did not write that in the notes. So I thought that was just a dream come true. So yeah. Just, that's so awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, go, uh, this is totally off topic, but I, when you, when we, you started mentioning Jeff Corwin, it made me remember, uh, do you remember that, that, uh, kind of like, I don't know what you would call animal expert, like reality show competition that he had. I think it was called like yep. King, of the King of the Jungle or something. Yep. That show looks so fun. I remember watching that when I was, I, I think it came out like maybe right after I graduated college and man, I, I really wanted to be on that show. And then when I went to go work at Disney, I found out one of my coworkers actually was on it. And then I went back and watched it and he was one of the ones, there was a competition where they had to get up in a tree stand and like spot animals. Like they, like they got points for how many they could spot and he got zero. So, <laughs> so I got to clown him about that for a long time. That See, was, that would be me too though. Like that would totally, <laughs> like, that would be He's great though. Uh, I don't. I don't know if you listen to the show, but Jared Davis. He used to work at uh, MGM when they stole the Lion Habitat, and now he he's a realtor now. But I worked with him at Disney, and he actually had his own uh, kind of I don't know. I guess animal entertainment company where some of his animals would go into movies and stuff. Uh, so he has like his own like facility with tigers and, and chimps and some other stuff down in Florida still, even though he's really? kind of moved on. So that's uh, it. And really, just a side note too, I loved going to that exhibit at, at the at um oh um, at MGM. That lion yeah. habitat was phenomenal. It was really cool. Uh, you know, being able to like walk under that tunnel and look up and see them. So uh, I, I actually, I actually never saw them. That's a lie. But I remember loving the exhibit. I'm really into exhibits. So I would go there and just look, it was before the lions. Cause what I thought was fascinating, wouldn't they, the lions lived on like a farm, like an hour outside of yeah. Vegas mm -hmm. groomed every day. And then they would take them in and 
I thought that was really cool. Yeah, yeah so I I, uh, I liked it too. I just, and I don't know how much we want to get into this, but I, I, I was very, not very happy with like that, you know, while the guests are there watching the lines, you got people in there with them. I just think that kind of sends like the wrong message. Like oh, so any, I, anyone can just go in with the lions. So I, oh, I didn't really like that so much. I did not know that people yeah. went in with the lions. I, cause oh, yeah. I never saw it. Okay. Yeah, so they, I, would, they would like go in and like roll boomer balls and stuff back and forth to the lions and, and things like that. And it was like, uh, you're telling people that they can go and play with lions and uh, just not good. And, I, and, I and also, Oh yeah, it's also not a good environment when you have people smoking cigarettes and having cocktails mm. at nine o'clock in the morning. It's right. not like, but the exhibit was still magnificent. No, it was great. Did they remove that exhibit? Or, yeah, it's and, gone. It's been gone for several. I can't remember when it closed down, but yeah, there's no more lions in really in the museum anymore. So yeah. no, so no remnants. It's probably just filled with uh, slot machines now, huh? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I think uh, I can't remember the hotel. Is it the is it the Mirage? I think where where oh, Sir and Roy were. Oh, like sorry. Yes. Yes. The Mirage. No. I think. I think they still have like their secret garden or whatever. So they still have some kind of animal animal habitat in there, I believe. But I've seen that yeah, too. And also, yeah, that was beautiful. And Shark Reef was really. Abandoned. Oh, I love Shark Reef. That's my favorite aquarium because it's it's. Uh, I don't know if I can't remember if they built it this way, but it's almost entirely like predator based. Like it's all yep. like like super crazy, not not super dangerous animals. You know, like the people like like my my favorite you know super dangerous animal that people think are really dangerous are are the. Uh, uh, the sand tiger sharks. They look so menacing with their like scraggly teeth and everything. But honestly, when I was diving in the, in like the Disney aquarium, they were nothing. And the things you had to worry about were the things that no one thinks is dangerous. The sea turtles, they were the ones that would come <laughs> over and try to nip you and bite and mess with you and stuff like that. So gosh, uh, yeah. that is such a cool quick. Again, you walk in and I love how it's themed. They give you like this little travel book and then, you know, you, they have golden crocodiles and piranhas mm -hmm. and a Komodo. They had a Komodo dragon. I just, yep. that's so freaking cool. I think that was probably the first time I ever saw piranhas. And I was like, wow, that's a piranha. So, really? Yeah. Okay. Side story. You want to hear it? Yeah. I had a piranha. I rescued one named Jaws when I was what? 13. I swear you to God. A piranha? I swear to God, I had a piranha named Jaws. I found out fish really weren't for me. He lasted for several months, but uh, yeah, I had a piranha. He was illegally being kept in Caldwell, Idaho, and I had a yeah had a, had one piranha, which is sad now thinking because they're such a social fish. You know, so when yeah, yeah. looking back on it, I wish, you know, I guess his, he had a mirror on the back of his aquarium. So maybe he thought he was with other ones, but super cool. But I remember I would have friends come over and they'd be like, oh, can I stick my finger in the water? I'm like, go ahead. He's not going to do anything. Like they're actually pretty shy. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, everything you see on movies and TV is like a leg stick, a cow goes in and then all the bubbles of water and then <laughs> bone comes out like, kind of like this tornado of like, yeah, or like or do you see that one on like nat geo where they stick like a whole chicken in and then like miraculously yeah, yeah. second they comes out and it's like just <laughs> just legs or whatever yeah just yeah, legs yeah. so yeah. ridiculous uh, yeah, yeah and, and, and that's what that, that's such a problem because because people that you know or whatever you want to call them lay people or whatever like they they see that and they're like that's how they are you know like they that's how they get some of their animal information and uh anyway <laughs> i was crazy. listening i was listening to this podcast and they were talking about sharks and just how detrimental Jaws was. Just, I mean, and I did, oh, I never yeah. thought of it, but that movie was horrible for sure. I mean, the PR oh, yeah. people are still. I mean, that movie just, you know, people are still terrified from that movie. So, it is. But you know, I mean, I, I'm also a kind of a movie buff. So, I mean, it's a really good movie. Let's let's be honest. It's a really good movie. Oh, it's a really good movie. <laughs> and did you? Although the ride at Universal Studios Florida, which I heard they took out, but uh, horrible yeah, that ride. was horrible ride. Yeah, it was horrible, yeah. right? I thought the, the one here is that. Uh, so it's different here. Like the you know, 
Oh, maybe I'm confusing MGM and Universal. But though I think the rides are like at the, in Florida, I think they're like separated. You know, there's okay. like the earthquake one, and then there's the Jaws one. But at Universal here in California, they have it like all together as like a backstage movie tour. So you go through earthquake, oh. and then you go through Jaws as part of the same thing. Uh, but yeah, that the shark comes up, and you're like, oh, it's like it's almost worse than uh, at Disney. There's the Jungle Cruise, and you have all the animatronic animals, oh. like the elephant spraying you with water or whatever. Yeah. Like it's even worse than like looking the nose. You know? <laughs> you know what's so bad though? I love that. I love I the adventure oh, I cruise, too. and oh, I I, I love and I laugh. I love cheesy jokes. So I am yeah. like cracking up, crying at just these jokes. That I mean, I oh my god, I love it. Yeah, I love it. it. It's fun uh, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right, so. I think are we are we up to current uh, current here with your where we're at with uh, with late night with Seth Myers is that kind of like your main gig now? Yeah, late night with Seth Myers and the Today Show. I just started filming uh, short webisodes, which I really enjoy doing. Uh, please check them out, CorbinMaxi.com or on YouTube. And uh, I'm actually filming tomorrow at uh, the World Center for Birds of Prey. So going to go check out some condors and harpy eagles. So can't wait for that. But. Uh, um, I want to. I want to quit my job and just like kind of hang out with you and and travel around with you. Corbin. Do it if That's you do it. Do it if you're in New York and you want to be on TV. Just be an animal <laughs> handler. I'm oh, serious. You might, yeah. you might have to shave the beard. No, I'm kidding. Could you imagine? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I don't but, know what uh, I do, man. It took me a long time to be comfortable doing keeper talks. <laughs> really, with the beard? No, I mean, not uh, well. Just in general. I mean, I, I got exposed to it pretty early at, at the San Francisco when I was an intern. You know, I had to do. Uh, I had to, I, they had they tasked me with creating a, a citizen or, or a parrot show uh, and a livestock show. So I, I, I did it, but I felt like I wasn't really good good at it. You know, I feel like I've I've gotten way more comfortable now. I mean, at at my current zoo, you know, I'll be giving keeper talks in front of hundreds of people, not millions like 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 you, but still, like that was a, a big shock at first too. Like I was talking to you know fifteen twenty people at the other zoos, but now I'm talking to like three hundred sometimes at keeper keeper talks. So still a little bit intimidating sometimes. Yeah. But I just like it. I just treat it like a conversation to be honest with you. Yeah. I just like, you know, between it's like this, and, you know, it's like this yeah, you know? just like, like this. Yeah. Yeah. And I find, you know, but you know, what's interesting because I've had people on my podcast animals to the max mm -hmm. and I've had some people who I know are naturally shy, but once I tell them that it's like a conversation, like they completely go to town, like they love, they do great. They're just, you know, they're completely yeah, that's when I, I've, I've recorded a few episodes of this podcast live and it's the same thing. It's like, Hey, we're just, we're just talking, ignore the microphone that's sitting on the desk. No big deal. Uh, but it's true. I mean, a lot of, I mean, a lot of people get into this field because they're not people per people, people persons and, and, and don't want to do that stuff. But the way, the way zoos are evolving now, like you can't, you can't be a keeper and not uh, do public presentations. I, I've talked about this before, but I really think that, one of zoo's main purposes now is, is to educate and, and create those connections with for, with people and animals otherwise you know they, they might be better off somewhere else so yeah uh, yeah man uh i don't know i don't know what else to ask you that you're just such such an amazing <laughs> fun job uh uh it, it, i guess i don't even know if i can really ask you this but i mean is there any like it like specific kind of advice you would tell somebody that wants to get into like like whether it's their own TV show or a radio show or whatever it is with animals. I mean, I, I guess radio shows, even though this is a podcast and there's no visuals, we're just having a conversation. Like most times when there's an animal personality, you probably want to be able to see the animal, right? So, I mean, is there any like kind of uh, words of wisdom you have for someone young and listening that, uh, that might want to kind of pursue a similar career? Don't do it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. I'm totally kidding. Um, yes, I think advice, perseverance, the sky's the limit. 
Um, I'm and I'm still pursuing my own goals, you know, regarding because I want my own television show and just regarding, you know, future appearances. But don't give up perseverance. Go to school. Um, just just stay motivated. I mean, and it is it is hard a lot when you work in television, there is a lot of rejection. Like now I remember like watching back in the day, like actresses and actors, and they, they would always say like, oh, I would never let my kids be in this business. And I always say, I wonder why it looks so glamorous, but it is a very, it's a very difficult business and you just have to develop tough skin and um, but yeah, do that and also make as many connections, just as many connections, be nice to people. You never know who could help you out along the way. Like I remember just like I, I was dealing like back in 2009, I, I needed, I was wanting to work with a wolf for the today show at the New York wolf conservation center. It didn't really work out, but I just reached out to her and this, I haven't talked to her in years and now she's going to come on my podcast to talk about wolves. So just an example of just keep connections always, you know, you just never know where life could take you. Yeah. Don't burn, don't burn bridges. That's, that's, that's a good rule in life in general, but especially in this industry, like this industry is a lot about, about who, you know, you know, so, um, well, yep. thank you so much, Corbin. I wanted to real quick here before we get out of here to, I want to send two thank yous because honestly, you guys, this show, I, I thought about, I thought about just ending it. I, we had 16 episodes that were, that were mostly all great. And, you know, I kind of felt like maybe I kind of run its course. It was starting to get very difficult to, to find guests. But Corbin reached out to me on Twitter and was like, hey, I love your show. And and uh, and, and that that is what kind of got me on his show. Um, and, and really you and, and a couple other people. So I want to first I want to thank you for kind of like reigniting this you know, passion for doing this show and me and, and really getting it started again. Um, so thank you so much for that, Corbin. But uh, but also uh, I got an email from a from a young man named Hunter Adair. So I'm going to give a shout out here. I haven't done this before, but Hunter sent such a nice, nice email to me. He's uh, he's going to be a freshman at Purdue University this year and, and basically said that, you know, the show is he, he's been he's binged listened to it on road trips and stuff. And and so that's just such a, a powerful thing for me to know that there's people out there listening that that I didn't even think. I thought my friends and my family, maybe that, you know, and that kind of is kind of it. So uh, but to be able to to have you kind of be like, hey, you like it. And then now a few emails have come in about about the show. So I'm going to really try hard to keep it going. Uh, I don't know how often the show is going to be like in the last last episode was seven months ago. I really hope it's it's not that long again before the next episode. I, I'm going to at least I'm going to try to set a set a, a a quota for myself of at least one a month. So I think we're gonna we're gonna start with there. And again, if you if there's anybody out there listening that would like to come on and tell their story, please do because this show really doesn't exist without you guys. Uh, and I, and I want to tell your story and share it with the world. So uh, yeah. again, Corbin, thank you so much for coming on. Any any uh, anything you want to get out here before we wrap up? Yeah. So really quick, I I actually want to thank you because I am so oh, honored to be on this podcast. No, I'm being serious. I'm so honored to be on the podcast. And I absolutely loved your show. I was just a fan and I just reached out to you. I didn't even, I didn't even think I would be on your show because I'm not a zookeeper. So it's an honor to be on and I'm, it's so inspirational and you're the only one doing it, like just regarding zookeeper stories. And so thank you for continuing to do it. And thank you for having me on. And I, like I said, your podcast is very inspirational and I've learned so much from it. So thank you for doing that. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah, uh, we could say thank you all day, but I actually forgot yeah, right. something. I forgot something that is on every episode. So we can't, we can't get out of here without this. You have to tell us a funny or embarrassing story with an animal. Okay. And I thought you weren't going to ask me. So I'm like, cause I was, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to be that guest to be like, you didn't ask me this. <laughs> no, 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 no. We got to hear it for sure. I just got wrapped up in all the other cool stuff you did. 
right? So um, I've had animals crap on me all the time, you know, during live audiences. That's like, you know, that's just a given. I've had, you know, animals bite me and this and that. But the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me happened last year. And I was a special guest at a school in Boise for a STEM program. So science, technology, engineering, and math. And they asked me to come and talk to the kids and show some animals. And I had two back-to-back shows. My first show was for 300 kindergartners. And it is the first show five minutes in and I walk out with my iguana and I'm talking to the kids and, you know, they're just so excited. And I kneel down in front of 300 kindergartners and my, my pant leg completely splits open. So (laughs) all the way down, all the way up to my underwear and I am looking, thinking, oh my God, I hope nothing's hanging out. Like I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Like it was that bad, man. Oh I'm not gosh. kidding. You. So listen, if the kids just, just burst into laughter. I literally like my, like my briefs are showing like it, my pants are gone. So anyway, I have like an iguana in one hand, Godzilla, who's just a lovely iguana. Not really. He's like so aggressive. So he's trying to bite me. My, uh, my, my pants are out. So I hurry up and I have to run backstage and we don't know what to do because this is the first animal <laughs> I, I'm supposed to give two 45-minute presentations. I'm only five minutes in on the first one. So the, the principals, I mean, everyone's like, oh, my God, what do we do? And so, like, I'm backstage and my, you know, and, and thank God my fiance, Sam, Samantha, was helping me out. So the principal, like, ran back and gave, gave, like, safety pins. So they gave me, like, a handful of safety pins. She's trying to, like, safety pin up my legs. And I step out again and uh, – like five of the safety pins just snap. Anyway, it was like, it was just like the most, anyway, like that is something I guarantee you kids will never forget. So do you bring a a spare pair of pants with you now to, 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 yes, yes. (laughs) We had to run to a target. Like we had to bring, Oh my God, it was so embarrassing. Cause yeah, I get pooped on a lot, but man, when your legs like literally split open, like I don't even know how I did it. Like it wasn't, I mean, it just, and they, it just, I mean, I'm talking like, I would say at least over almost three feet of complete open leg boxer brief situation. I think I would have wrote the, uh, the, 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 the pants company and said, Hey, Hey man, I'm wearing you on, I'm wearing you for shows. I'm, I'm giving you some free publicity. Could you give me a pair of pants that, that don't rip? Yeah. Damn uh, you old Navy. No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they will not be a sponsor for this show. <laughs> they will not. Uh, no, they're so cheap anyway. No, I love it. <laughs> uh, I think my biggest takeaway is, uh, you know, always wear underwear, I guess. Uh, well, I mean, well, no, but I mean, I, I I was wearing underwear. Thank goodness. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm I just saying, like, make sure you are so that so that there isn't actually something. Because that could have been that could have been bad, especially in today's uh, social climate. So, God, could you uh, imagine? Yeah, yeah, yeah people with their phones and like, oh, my yeah, God. You would have been, yeah, you would have been on every. Yeah, I'm surprised the kids, some of the kindergartners didn't have video phones taken from you, man. And it's so weird because they awkwardly like looked at first because like, what do you do? And it was a loud like, I mean, you know, when your pants rip and I kneeled down, it was just, you and know, like, like it, and I feel like somebody had to be re- be recording it, either a parent or a teacher or something to show to their students later. You might be on like a school's blooper reel or something. Dude, this would have, like, <laughs> it maybe would help my YouTube views, you know, to go viral. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Uh, you would totally go viral. Right? Uh, I just, yeah, I love that. Anyway, but really quick, um, thank you once again for having me on. But if you are interested and you want to learn more about my animals, and a lot of people want to see their their habitats because I live on the Snake River and the animals just 
they live in these mini cabins. It's really cool. Uh, you can go to CorbinMaxi.com. You can actually go to YouTube. Just type in my name. You can watch webisodes. Also subscribe to Animals to the Max podcast, which Matt, you're a big influence. Thank you for helping me uh, get into it and help me with my technical stuff. And I'm still learning, but it's such a fun thing. And anyway, do that and then yeah. follow social channels. Yeah, absolutely. Follow Corbin Maxey at Corbin Maxey, M-A-X-E-Y. Check yeah, out, not I. <laughs> yes, yeah. Check out Corby Max and CorbinMaxey.com to learn more about him. Uh, watch him on uh, on The Late Show. Oh, gosh, I'm going to get the name wrong. The late, is it The Late Show with Seth? Yeah, Late Night with Seth Myers. Watch him with Late Night with Seth Myers. Uh, he's, he's awesome. And uh, thank you so much, Corbin. Uh, you can follow me at Mpricer if you want. Um, listen to more shows. If you're, if you want to be a guest, please come on and, and let me know, reach out to me, email, Twitter, whatever. Uh, but again, thanks Corbin, man. It was, it was really good having you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, buddy. All right, guys, we will, we're going to end it here. Uh, but hopefully we will be back with another episode of Zookeeper stories, uh, in the not too distant future. Have a good week, day, month, whatever it is. Thank you for listening to the Zookeeper Stories podcast. I hope you learned something about zookeeping and had a few laughs along the way. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes and Stitcher. It really helps me to grow the show and continue to improve. If you have any questions or comments about the podcast, you can send an email to zookeeperstories at gmail.com or tweet me at zookeeperstory. 